Hey guys, and welcome to the Stan Kerr Studios podcast, where working actors talk. Each episode, we sit down with different industry professionals who share their experiences, provide advice, and just talk about issues that are relevant today. This week, we sit down with Sam Valentine of the wildly popular podcast, One Broke Actress. Find out how she turned a private blog into one of the most influential and listened to podcasts amongst actors today. How she parlayed the success of One Broke Actress into a full-blown career, which then allowed her to qualify for SAG health insurance for the first time ever. She inspires us, she educates us, and she makes us laugh. So without further ado, please help me welcome Sam Valentine. So Sam, I am a fellow Midwestern theater major who moved to Hollywood and realized how ill-prepared I was for the industry, even with a theater degree. I've followed you and your podcast for a long time, and because you are so open, I feel a little bit like I know you um, and a little bit of your journey. Uh, But for those who aren't familiar, I'd love to just get a small glimpse into your origin story in LA, and then we can segue a little bit into how you've monetized the business you've created and eventually qualified for SAG after healthcare, in part because of it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Where are you from? Wisconsin. Okay. So my I'm, oh, I'm sorry. My boyfriend's from Missouri. Where at in Missouri? Columbia. Okay, great. So I knew that the whole world, I went to Missouri state, but, um, but so I, I was born in Kansas. My, we moved all the time. So I'm like Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Illinois. I went back to Missouri state for college a full Midwest kid only saw theater as something that was just something you did in your free time, not something you did for a job. But for some reason, I got it in my head that I was going to do it anyway. And then (laughs) I found a way. Uh, And so I went to Missouri State. I originally started as a theater education major. And then I took all of the theater classes and they said, great, you have to take the teaching classes now. And I was like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> go to these classes. I don't want to write papers. Like this is not, I don't find this helpful. Uh, so I switched majors partway through and I became a theater performance major. And uh, and yeah, I mean, m- many moons later, like four or five years, it took me to graduate college and came out to LA within days of graduating. Like get ready for me town. You guys are gonna, you have no idea. Everyone in my college was like, yeah, Sam's, I know Sam's gonna whatever, make it probably Uh like she just, she'll, she'll find a way. And then I got here and there was no, I had no idea what to do. I was asking around where you got auditions. Uh, This was 2011. uh, And so things like podcasts didn't really exist back then. There wasn't really central hubs for information and mostly the things people put on social media were were just the best of the best at that point. This whole truth sharing thing we do now isn't really a thing we did in that year. So it was a time. I struggled, got parking tickets, worked a lot of side jobs, asked a lot of friends. Uh, actually, one of my first friends in LA was uh, an actress named Ashley Platts, who is at Stan Kirsch, and she's an incredible actress. And she one day just wrote down a bunch of places that I was allowed to live <laughs> on the back of a of a wine list at the restaurant we worked at. And then she also wrote down like the three places I could get auditions. And it was, uh, I want to say it was off to the races, but then it was continuous years of testing, trying, testing, trying, failing, failing, failing over and over again um, till 
I mean, I just, I'm here now. And I think I'm still testing, trying, testing, trying, failing, failing. <laughs> That's so funny that you say failing, failing, because I feel like you've worked more, or at least from what I see on social media, you've worked more in the last year or two mm-hmm. than ever before. So continually growing, right? Building a resume. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting part of it, right? Is that like, it looks so different than how it feels. But Mm. although I have succeeded more since, honestly, my whole life changed in the pandemic with everything horrific that happened and how hard it was for all of us. I also, for the first time, had a time to not work three or four jobs in a day and to take a deep breath and think of what I really wanted to do. And Mm. that culminated in lots of different things but it also culminated in me finding a rhythm to my life and an enjoyment in it already, not waiting for the permission of a booking. And, and in that, I also was able to find new reps eventually and get going with people who were legitimately sending me out, not like the agents who just called themselves an agent type of situation, (laughs) which we can talk about if you want. Uh, But, um, but yeah, that changed that changed drastically in the pandemic. And I've worked more in the last three years than I have in my entire career. But at the same time, I've had more opportunities that haven't gone like I thought they would. So Mm -hmm. the, the ratio of success to failure is probably the same as it was before, but the things I'm succeeding in are now one national commercial out of 50 instead of one print job out of a hundred print jobs, you know? So it feels like the ratio is still there and the pressure is still the same. That's so interesting. It's that video game leveling up that Audrey talks about. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I wouldn't mind actually a small t- tangent to talk about those those bad agents, like those agents that we all start with. Um, when I'm talking to students uh, and they talk to me about etiquette with reaching out to reps and what you should sort of demand of them or what are like the base level requirements of what they should be doing for you. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, because I am at a place where I am now, it's hard to remember that in the beginning, it's kind of like you get what you can get mm-hmm. and you try to ask for certain milestones to be made, whether it's um, I'm looking to do one co-star by the end of the year and they're sending you nothing but reality TV show auditions, things like that. How do you talk to young, pe- young people or people new to Los Angeles um, about dealing with those reps that you and I know mm-hmm. I've never heard a podcast about uh how crappy reps can be well I've heard like little things here and there but I've often wanted to like I interviewed my manager Paolo Andres and I what I wanted I, what I said to him is some people aren't as fortunate as me so how do you mm-hmm. how do you suggest people talk to them and he really skirted the question because we don't want to talk about people or like have bad juju out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know what you mean. There's a, there's a want to only put positive information into the world, but also we need to know what the negative is so we can recognize it when we see it. And Mm -hmm. it is so hard when you're getting your first reps. And I say first reps because I was not the person who married their high school sweetheart. I did not have my first reps stay with me through all my Hollywood. In fact, I think I fired four or five agents, managers at this point. And I think it's 
I'm grateful for that because now I know how that works and I know what it feels like when you're in those situations. So the, I think the hardest part is that (laughs) take this with a grain of salt, everyone, but when you're not very good, your reps might not be very good. Mm -hmm. And early in my career, I was like, I have a theater degree. I am a cute young girl. I'm from the Midwest. People love me. Like, I don't need to go to class. I don't need to like improve my skills. Like I went to school for this. I was so incredibly wrong and off because I had no idea how to do the type of work I wanted to do. I just thought this the acting translated across all platforms and it was all the same. So I was not very good. I was, I did there was no moment before. There was no like thought between the lines there was no like the conversation I'm having with you and I'm like looking at your face and listening like why wasn't this there when I was a young actor um but you know it's only learned with time and uh and so I wasn't very good so my reps weren't very good and I learned very quickly that although it feels like you're not allowed to expect anything from your reps because you're still low on the totem pole you can still expect things from people who are working with and for you. And to me, the bare minimum is responses to emails. And I now solidify that by whenever I have a meeting with representation off the top, like the initial meeting, my favorite, favorite question to ask, which I think everyone should ask is, how do you prefer to communicate? And if they say, please call me anytime, write it down in front of you, put it on a post-it note and look at it till the end of time because there will be a day where you'll you'll be too nervous to call your agent. But you have to remember that they want you, if they say they're calling, they want you to call, call. If they say, you know, I'm really good with like text or email, probably arrange phone calls with them. It sounds like they're not like a random call person. Um, Figuring out what that is for each agent is different because it's like different talking to a person. I have one friend who calls all the time. They almost never send a text. Their phone call person. And I know that for a fact. (laughs) And that's how I, so I don't text them expecting a text back. So figuring out that chain of communication early, I think is something that's really important and then respecting it and establishing what your expectations could or should be. Because I had so little expectations that everything I got felt insurmountable. I remember the first co-star audition I got was for, um, 90210 was like obviously the reboot. <laughs> Only <laughs> five. Um, they were they were casting some co-star audition, and it came from my first manager and the the heft and the feeling of like I have to get this good for him, for the job, for there was zero part of me in it. And I remember distinctly sitting in that room and saying the lines I was supposed to say and doing the job that was tasked to me by my representation and was what I thought casting wanted, leaving the room and being like, I wonder if I booked it. (laughs) Shocking to no one, I did not book that audition, but I asked my manager, I was like, can we get some feedback? Like, there's no feedback for a three-line co-star, like, you're just not the fit. And so those delineations of putting that extra pressure on everything they gave me was huge. I think opening that line of communication was it was something I missed a lot in the beginning and then figuring out when and if they needed to talk to me. So mm-hmm. if I hadn't heard from my reps in three months, which was not uncommon with not as good of reps as I have now, then I wish I would have had the wherewithal to have contacted them myself. 
and not to say, hi, where are my auditions? But to say, hi, I'm actively working in my acting career. Here's X, Y, and Z. I'm thinking about a headshot. I'm thinking about a class. I'm thinking about, and let them have input because then they're coming in on the process. And I think if they don't want to have those conversations, that's a huge red flag. Mm, love that. That's so good. And so succinct. And I appreciate you saying, if you're not good, you're not going to get good reps because you moved out here with probably excellent acting skills, but it's a whole different world auditioning for current TV and film and like the the quick turnarounds that we have to do and all of that stuff. It just creates a pressure cooker situation that we need a different skill set for. Yeah. And well, I was probably fine in college, but I was doing like plays and, you know, working on the seagull for, you know, a month, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, that gave me a lot of time and a character that was like so like, like Masha is like so layered and there's all these things and she has all these feelings and relationships. And then you get handed, uh, you know, a three-line co-star in 90210 and she's just some girl in school. And I'm like, well, what's her secret? Like, what's her, how do I, and sure, you can find those things out. But like, the real question is like, where am I sitting? Am I sitting in a cafeteria? Are there people around me? Do I want people to hear this conversation? Do I like the person I'm talking to? Like I made theater world so big that mm -hmm. I could not translate the naturalistic acting that I thought I was so good at to fit in the small confines of what a co-star would be, let alone a guest star. I did not, I did not go off those, thank God, early. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, thank you for taking that small tangent with me. So we are chatting in August, 2023, a few weeks into the SAG after strikes and waiting for the AMPTP to give us a fair deal. It's recently been heavily publicized that only 12.7% of the SAG after members earn enough to meet the $26,470 earning qualifications to get healthcare. I have I feel like I've always known that it's very, very hard to make SAG after a health insurance. Um, in fact, in my acting five class in college, the first day we got handed literally these numbers sort of to like sort of jostle us. Do you really want this? And I was like, yeah, fucking want that. I will live in my car if I have to. Um, but a lot of people are surprised by it. The whole world, I think, is starting to share an understanding of how shockingly low residuals are. But you have used the new SAG after a podcast agreement to combine with your bookings to help you qualify. I am so inspired by that. I'm so thrilled for you. And you know you've created something good, Sam, when people see your Instagram post and tear up. I mean, rooting for you all the way. It's so good. I have goosebumps right now. Um, so before we get into the nitty gritty of it, can you just give us the Cliff's Notes version of your um, starting One Broke Actress? What was your intention for it? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that. I'm so glad my... Uh, newly in inducted into the world Instagram husband uh, was able to film that moment for me. That was really special. Wow. Um, yeah. So One Broke Actress started as a blog. It started in 2016. I had a lot of feelings about my acting career at this point. You know, I had been an actress for five years, which at the time felt like a lifetime. I was about to turn 30. I was like, what am I? <laughs> 
what am I doing? Aren't I supposed to be successful in my 20s or else I'm not successful at all? Uh, I ended up going to another country and filming a movie and I was the lead and I came home and my reps told me to take down a Facebook post I had posted when I was looking for a part-time job when I got home from the movie because they said I was being sold as a leading lady now. And all of these things consecutively, one on top of each other, along with the fact that everyone I know and love was congratulating me on finally having made it. Um, whereas I didn't have a job. I wasn't allowed to be posting about not having a job. I had lost my health care. I was going on unemployment. I had lost everything when I left town to go film this movie. And now I came home not knowing if the movie would ever come out, not knowing what would happen with it. You just never know with these indie films. And I had a great time shooting it, but it was also very hard. And it's a long process. And so I came home kind of in a slump and mm -hmm. everyone was giving me the most accolades and everyone thought I was doing the thing. And I was told I couldn't share that I wasn't working. And I was like, where do I put these feelings? What do I do with this information? Like, people need to know this. Like, how come I can Google 500 different ways to make a skinny margarita, but I cannot Google what actors do in their downtime? Like, I don't understand. So I did what everyone did in the mid 2010s as I started a blog and I put my feelings on it and I kept it private for a while until I started to put it onto Facebook, because that's also what you did in 2016. And once I started to put on Facebook, people that I loved and trusted and people who were higher, quote unquote, up in the industry than me were agreeing with the stuff I was saying. And I was like, oh, you feel this way. So it's not just, me. so it's, it, it, there's more than, it's so, okay. So even though I hardly consider myself an actor technically yet, I'm still this way. Okay, cool. So that empowered me super slowly to start taking it more and more public. And at the time I had another podcast I was doing with a friend and I thought, well, One Broke Actress should be a podcast because I kept interviewing actors and then transcribing myself the um, chat we were having, which I'm not a great typer. <laughs> if you've seen anything I've ever posted, there's always misspellings. And so I said, why am I doing this? Why don't I just record it and post it? So I started that process and just put out a season one and I got to episode 12 of the podcast and I was like, well, uh, I ran out of episodes. So that's a season. Thank you so much for coming. This is the end. Bye. And then people started asking when it was coming back. And I was like, oh, people pay attention. This is interesting. And so it's grown. I want to tell you so badly. And then everything just took off. But it's been piecemealed together over the years because I was also working three or four jobs every single day. There was a period of time where I didn't do anything with One Broke Actress because I didn't know if the podcast mattered. I didn't know if it, if anyone was listening or if people were listening and thinking like this girl's never going to work in this town because she's talking like this, which mostly I was too afraid to put myself out there. So I mostly just interviewed other people anyway. <laughs> and uh and slowly, 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 it just continued to exist. It didn't really build, it just existed. Mm -hmm. And in 2020, a great deal of rest was handed to all of us. And I said, well, I have nothing to offer, really. I can't give a lot of people money. I don't have really anything else to do. So I'll just keep doing the podcast because I have the time and I don't have another job to go to. I can't go to babysitting or my meal prep job. So I just started to work on the podcast and work on the website and do more and more and more on Instagram. Instagram launched reels. And I said, this is, I, you know what? 
no one else going to put me on camera. I'm going to put me on camera. Let's see what we got to do here. And so now it's, you know, it's grown very steadily over time, but I'm very grateful for that because uh, if anyone's ever had anything go viral, you know that sometimes when you bring a lot of people's eyes to something, you get a lot of people's eyes who it's not meant for. And people are really harsh on the internet if they don't understand what they're looking at. And so, especially when you name something One Broke Actress, because you think you're funny, people don't think it's funny if you're like sharing a congratulations that you, you know, booked a big job or something. So it's been a push-pull, but that has been a very interesting thing. And so now it's a platform that exists. And I say platform because it's very annoying to say Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, podcast, blog. Uh, and, you know, now I have a membership that is with an actress named Gabrielle Binloss, who's in Atlanta. We have an online membership. Uh, I have a Patreon. So yeah, it's just now it's it's my job, which is cool and crazy. And, uh, and I don't know, you probably feel the same way that like acting is your job and it, you kind of look around and got to pinch yourself sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hundred percent. Um, oh, I didn't even answer your question about SAG in that. I got so excited to talk about it. Uh, so Yeah, yeah. So, uh, because of the growth of the podcast, I've been able to do things like the Patreon, which is a monetization scale and they get extra bonus podcasts and all these things. And then I'm able to teach sometimes a working actor workshop. Um, I'm starting to start to offer ads on the podcast, which is different. I've done a little bit of that before, but now it's coming from an official company, which is cool. And all of these things combined, uh, it has monetized One Broke Actress significantly to where it has its own LLC. And I was reached out to by Shane Griffith, who works, she's a SAG member, uh, SAG staff member. And she reached out and said, did you know you can do really cool stuff with your podcast? Like have it uh, under a SAG contract and then you're protected by lawyers and all these things. And then, oh, also your monetization can earn you health insurance. And I was like, tell me more. <laughs> so uh, I signed that contract in February and I've been contributing to my own pension and health. Um, the contract I'm on, essentially 10% of what I make, I pay back to SAG. And then 50% of everything I make is counted toward my pension and health. And that, along with a couple of commercials I did in the past year, actually running, which is different than doing a commercial because they don't always <laughs> run. Uh, that has qualified me for the first time since I joined SAG-AFTRA in 2017 for health insurance. So I have health insurance and I'm going to qualify for my first pension credit this year. And uh, yeah, it's huge. It feels like a huge weight. I went in the second I got it and I was like, sign up for the year. I put my husband on it. We're saving so much money. It's such a good, such a good health insurance. And I just feel like it could not have come at a, a more opportune time for me to take advantage and to also be even more grateful for my union right now in this time of like craziness. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. How easy was it to get the podcast agreement contract? Shane made it very easy. I don't know how easy it is for everyone, but she's like, she's incredible. Uh, she talked me through it once or twice on the phone. We had conversations and then she actually sent me the contract and we got on the phone and filled it out together. And it took maybe 20, 30 minutes to fill it out together and then once a month, I just look at my accounts when I do my bookkeeping and I send a check to SAG and it's pretty simple. Uh, 
I mean, I, I, I hasten to say that because I'm not doing anything wrong, but, uh, but because I'm the host, the talent and the producer, it's all under the same umbrella, which is very, very cool. And then I think the question that comes up for a lot of people is, so does all of your guests have to be SAG? And that's not how it works as long as the product, like the production end is SAG. So I am the talent. I am SAG. I can interview non-SAG members should I choose. So that exists. Um, and then during this time for the strike, there are ramifications to a SAG podcast. So I cannot interview someone about their struck work. So I don't know, weirdly, like Margot Robbie cannot come on and talk about Barbie. I don't know why she didn't answer the email. You know, it's just weird. Um, and must, uh, and junk. must be in her junk email somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I think it ended up in spam. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, either that or like we're both at odds because I definitely should have auditioned for that movie. Um, yes. <laughs> no, yes. I heard she's fantastic. I can't wait to see it. Um, and then also I can't talk about my struck work. So I could talk about indie things I've done and stuff like that and commercials, but I'm not going to do a podcast right now about the previous streaming shows I've done. So it's been pretty easy to keep it steadily going and hitting on new topics too. It actually pushes me to do new things like I'm going to interview someone who helps people um, move their home around and to find, to, to put things in order, like a home orderly person. And, you know, just like different areas of the world that we live in, since we spend so much time in our homes, there's yeah. a lot that we can expand on in this, especially as creatives, we need the space. So that's amazing. Um, the gentleman who helped you get ads for your podcast, mm -hmm. how did you meet him and did he help you sort of figure out what the pay scale would be and who might be a good mm -hmm. fit to advertise? Mm -hmm. So I actually, in the process of when One Broke Actress became a business, I also started to have people come to me and talk to me about podcasting and they had questions and I was the person they knew who was always down to answer and I was of service and had the time. And my friend Ashley, who is a entrepreneurial genius, said, this is a business. I was like, no, this is not a business. People like do their podcast solo. And she explained to me very neatly that there's several businesses who don't want to do the side work to have a podcast, but they want to have one. So we actually, I started a podcast business with her. So I own a podcast production company called Fast Forward Productions. And along with that, we have eight pushing nine current continuous clients um, that we work with. And one of those clients worked with Connected Podcasts, who is my advertising company. And I met them through that podcast. And then we had a great rapport. And I said, you know, I think my podcast is around the same size as this one. We should talk. And so we've got into chats and they just started reaching out to companies on my behalf. So it's uh, it's really exciting. The, the potential is exponential. There's It's cool because there's no ceiling on this. It's not like an hourly rate, you know? So mm -hmm. the more people subscribe, the more cool stuff we can put out, the more opportunities we have on our end to give more. So, and I also like this because it could not be me asking from actors. It's companies can uh, assist in the process. So it's really exciting. Oh my gosh. I love that. And God bless the friends who are like, you are a business. You are amazing. Yeah. If you don't have those type of people in your life who are going to like check you and say like, this should cost more money. You should charge more. This is a full business. Like you should find those people because that's why I solely work from home now. So I run fast forward productions. 
I I also have a team underneath me and it's all actresses, which is cool. Uh, And then I run One Broke Actress, which also employs actresses. And then I help run the membership and then I run my acting career. So all the hats. How does it feel just saying all of that? I'm tired. Just saying it. I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) you know honestly I have to I have to uh do a reality check often that this is what I get to do but it comes with its own set of anxiety because I am constantly now worried I think we always think like the next thing is going to be easier so when I started fast forward I thought well as soon as I have a couple clients like I'll feel better and now I have way more than a couple clients and the business is off and I literally have to hire more people. And every day I wake up and think, okay, well, I hope, I hope nobody leaves today. I hope like everyone's still here. And I hope this is that. And then I'll have a couple really good weeks with my businesses and like all of these other things. And then I'll think, oh, okay. Okay. I I probably need to like talk to my agent about my reel because I kind of haven't done a lot of acting stuff. The the picket's been going on. I've been on, on the picket lines, but like, I think I could, you know, um, but like, I think there's more I can do in this world. So I just have to, I don't really think it's ever balance. I think I just have to decide what I'm focusing on at a certain time and, uh, mm-hmm. and go through it. I also don't have kids. And my husband is very, very, very supportive of all of the things I do. And I'm very supportive of all the things he does. He's a screenwriter and he's a personal trainer. And so we have to have really solid communication to make this all work. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Off topic, what is your Enneagram? Do you know? I'm an achiever. I'm a three. Okay, got it. Yeah, I'm a six. I'm a warrior. Um, actually six is called the skeptic and I'm like because I I get worried about I worry I worry (laughs) wait are you skeptical about the name of your Enneagram oh my god (laughs) that's crazy okay that's crazy do you have a wing have you done like uh, yes but I don't remember I don't remember I'm wondering if you're a wing too which is the helper that's what oh, I gosh. am. And I think oftentimes people who want to share their words, want to share what they know and what they've done wrong and what they can fix and all these things. I think we're often twos. Yeah. So interesting. Um, so your learning curve with social media, how, mm. what has it been like? Um, someone once said to me, if you want to succeed more, you need to start failing more. Um, and it feels like I don't, I, mm, I'd rather not fail. I just rather get it perfect right away. But how has it been for you? Yeah, brutal. Because every time I think I have something figured out, they invent a new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I finally, I understand Instagram and me are like tight. I feel like I get my Instagram. I know when I pop on that camera, I know exactly who I'm talking to. I know what content I'm being made for. Um, I know everything I'm doing for now. I feel like I understand my Instagram audience and they get me. So it feels like I could, whatever I post, the people understand, they get it. I found my team on that platform. Me on TikTok is like a, a fish out of water. I have not figured out who I'm talking to yet. I haven't mm-hmm. figured out what I'm doing on there. If I even want to be on there, um, I'm still kind of figuring out that platform um, and how much time I want to give it. I think it's really, it, for me, I had to decide what my anchor platform was. Mm-hmm. Um, and my anchor platform is my podcast. And then everything I do stems from the podcast. 
So if the anchor is the podcast, I then cut clips from the podcast and that goes to my social medias. It goes to YouTube. It goes like to emails and things like that. And then the time I have left can go to creating YouTube video. That's my secondary piece. And then that I can cut clips from and those can go to Instagram and TikTok and like be spread out. Mm. Um, So that helped me organize my mind a lot. Also realizing that I can't be good at all of them at the same time. Just like we talked about my businesses, I'm never going to give all of them a hundred percent because then I'm functioning on negatives. Mm-hmm. So I have to decide what gets energy and I, there some, like, they can't all be hits. You can't, you can't, and sometimes I put something out on social media and it does not go over like I thought it would. Like, sometimes I'm like, this is funny. This is so funny. People are going to love this. And then I check back in later. I'm like, did it get blocked? Like, where did the people go? And it it's so funny because no one else notices that. They only really notice your hits. They only notice people say, oh, you're everywhere. You're working everywhere. And I'm like, I don't think I am. So I think just deciding like what you care about is the one that matters. And also, I think that it's nonsense that actors are told they have to be on social media. I don't think you have to do anything. If it drains your life force, don't, don't do it. I think it's useful if you enjoy it, but if you do anything out of anger or anxiety, we can tell and it doesn't come off genuine and no one, no one's going to follow that. And if anybody's looking at your Instagram to verify your existence, like how we used to say, like casting looks at Instagrams kind of, but that's probably just to make sure that one, you're not like a crazy person who's posting really intense stuff and two do you kind of look like you did in person okay great yeah she still has the same hair great great cool cool we're good that is so refreshing to hear I completely agree if someone is doing it with sort of a bitterness on fucking posting to Instagram like I got turns out I got a fucking no TikTok it's an energy that comes through in the videos for sure yeah yeah Yeah. and I also think that you can know these platforms without necessarily uh, adding to them. So if you, I'm a big fan of just understanding something, even if I don't use it, mostly because I don't want to become the person in 40 years who doesn't, who isn't able to communicate with people because I've missed out on the technological advances. So I understand chat GBT. I understand TikTok. I understand how to edit something in CapCut. Like I just want to kind of get it So I'm not left out of the technological bubble as we move on, because Mm -hmm. how often do you open a script now and the character talks about TikTok or they talk about, you know, AI or something like that? Like, I think it's important for actors to be in the know because your character, you're playing a character who exists in our world most of the time, unless it's a period piece. So I think it's important to understand at least what you're talking about, because if I see you scrolling differently on your phone in an audition I'm like they've never used that platform before (laughs) oh that's totally right yeah and I have to tell you I have noticed so many more scripts about AI and robots (laughs) and like robots who like "Uh, is she gonna gain consciousness and kill me in my sleep that kind of stuff so (laughs) yes AI yeah that's you know it's a great not just AI but knowing what's going on in the world, right? Is 
you don't have to, you don't have to be on top of the news. You don't have to be like number one person. I like hold your energy inside however you need to in the crazy world we live in, but kind of know what's going on. Like be a real person. If the only news you've read in the past month or two has been about the strike, like flip a page and check in on Russia flip a page and check in on, you know, what is going on in Florida. Like, just like open up your world because those things are in scripts shortly. Those things are going to be what your characters are talking about. Like everything that's happening in the world that's crazy right now, someone's going to write something about. So you don't have to be, you know, watching CNN all the time or be on top of the news, but you need to be a little checked in sometimes to the life oh, yeah. outside of the actor one and be more than an actor because you're so much more than what you do. And then the more power you have, the less fucks you have to give about what other people think because you're taking it to the bank. You're mm -hmm. doing the thing you want to do. And it also matters who you surround yourself with. If everyone you talk to, you mention, I think I'm going to like try social media. I think I'm going to like try TikTok. And their mind instantly goes to a run of the mill, annoying influencer. You shouldn't do that. That's whatever. I have a lot of feelings on that. I would question your immediate circle because that's the least of your issues that you want to try something new. Like this world's so hard. You got to have people around you who are going to be like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, should we pick a few people that you really want to like model this after? Can we, let's look at TikTok right now and like pull a couple of videos to make. Like your inner circle should be so supportive. The other voices don't matter. And the people who end up following you will be the right people. There is a lid for every pot. There are people on social media who just like put whipped cream on their feet. Like, I, and you know what? They probably make more money than either of us. So whatever. Like there is a person on Twitch who pays her entire bills. I think she makes almost a million dollars a day because she films herself sleeping. Yeah. So like be cringe. Like there are, just know there's always gonna be somebody cringier there's always going to be somebody doing it better. There's always going to be different levels. So you figuring out what works for you, start small, but also decide who you want to show it to now. Maybe start it as private like I did. The blog was totally private. I was so nervous that like, <laughs> this is so silly. I was so nervous that some agent from CAA was going to see it and they were going to blacklist me for talking about the industry. Nobody from CAA is reading your blog. And nobody from high school is looking at your Instagram. And if they are, they're probably going to try to sell you Arbonne or something, which is also cringy. So like, what flavor of cringe do you want? You know, like pick your poison. <laughs> I had to mute myself. You had me at Arbonne. <laughs> because I have that friend. She's like, if I should have sent you a video, would you watch it? You know, about fist sticks. And I'm like, no, I can't. No more. Yep. Um, yep. That's such great advice. Um, Lastly, Sam, uh, what episode of your podcast have people most responded to? Oof, oof. It's so, oh, that's such a good question. Ooh. Most recently, I put out one uh, called What the Fuck Does It Mean to Go All In on Your Acting Career? Mm -hmm. And that one got a lot of love. People really enjoyed that one. And that was basically me talking about how much I hate the phrase, I'm going to go all in this year because I don't. I think that just sets you up for disaster. It's like the same when people are like, I'm going to go all in on losing 30 pounds. And it's like, cool. What are you going to do after those 30 pounds? Like it doesn't just, that mindset doesn't just go away. Like what happens next? Mm -hmm. um, and also when you say you're going to succeed as an actor, 
on whose terms and we're now we're putting the power in someone else's hands for you to be a winner and I don't like that um so that one was very popular and I think man I'm like running through the mental rolodex of my podcast there's a episodes I started in the pandemic uh called becoming a working actor and I took some students who had just graduated from Missouri State so where I went to school uh, and I interviewed them. So this was almost 10 years since I'd been in college. And I interviewed them about what they wanted to do now that they were out of school, where they saw things going. And then six months later, I interviewed them again. Mm -hmm. And then like nine months later, I think I interviewed them one more time. And to see the, the way in which, I mean, spoiler alert, the slow pace at which life moves when you expect it to go very quickly and how it changes your perception of your expectations I think that was really powerful. I think the title was probably a little clickbaity because becoming a working actor is what we all want to do. But the message, I think, and the overall watch of it was been really interesting. And I kind of want to do it again because I think even that that class graduated in the pandemic. So I'd be curious about someone graduating maybe at the end of this coming summer or you know moving to LA and seeing what happens next. And so I might, I might bring it back. I'm interested to, uh, I like to see the pace at which people move and how they're surprised by what this business is actually like. For sure. For sure. I really love the episode. If you don't mind me adding, Please. I really love the episode when you talked about changing your look, cutting your hair, mm -hmm. going dark, getting the new headshots. And if it worked, if it translated into more auditions, more bookings, um, and the amount of money that it cost, I thought it was just so unbelievably transparent. And I think so many of us have played with, should I, should I uh, get a pixie cut? Should I go red? Um, you know, those kinds of things, which I, I, from personal experience, a couple image consultants or career coaches have often said, a pixie cut. You're going to stand out. It's going to be completely different. Um, so I just really appreciated hearing the transparency because we all wonder, would that be the thing? Would that be the thing? Yeah. 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 And to, you know, to not leave people too much in the, in the lurch of like, what, what happened? I cut basically all my hair off, uh, up to above my shoulders and I dyed it dark, dark Brown. And I was like, I'm going to be like, best friend girl. I was, I still had a lot to learn. Um, by the way, I think I'm the only person who my friend said, you're the only person who cut all of her hair off before her wedding. Um, but then the joke was on me because 2020 happened and I didn't get married for another year and a half. So <laughs> she was right. Um, but, but, you know, I think the thing that we don't talk about when we talk about what the outside changes is, is, does it match the inside energy that you give off? And it's so, we love these things so much, especially as actors who are just looking for the next answer, because it's such a tangible task. It's so, it's not necessarily easy because it's expensive and time consuming, but it is so easy compared to trying to get seen by a casting director to just cut or dye your hair or to shave your face or to like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds because that's definitely would get me in the door or whatever we tell ourselves or someone else tells us. And the question is, does that match the inside energy to you? Because I was trying to hide. I was trying to like make myself small because then my expectations of myself could be lower. 
And after taking the time and sitting with myself and growing up a little bit, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to have extra blonde in my hair. I've always wanted to like let it grow and like feel like the girly girl that I think I am and all of these things. And the more I embrace that, the the more things come my way that I'm like, oh, I, I totally get this girl in this audition. I know exactly who she is. I am mm-hmm. her or I, I know her or I went to college with her and things come closer to me. Now, does that mean I hit every audition box and people are like, whoa, we've never seen a girl like this before? No, but the roles are closer to me, which means eventually one of them I will book, which means I can then trust myself and then I do better auditions and then casting trusts me. And then randomly they throw me a bone. And that to me is like the entire career. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. We couldn't end in a better (laughs) spot, Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.